Hey, I'm Rohan. And I'm John. And we run Commons, a premium personal care brand. But this podcast isn't really about promoting our company. Right, tell them what's up. We're building a brand how I learn all my lessons, the hard way. Yeah, uh, translation, we're not exactly venture capital darlings, and we've got rich uncles, but they won't return our phone calls. On this podcast, you'll learn along with us, some very smart guests, and hear conversations on building something worth a damn. All right, get at us at getcommonsbehappy.com. And hey, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever uh, so we can keep doing this. Let me ask you a question. All right. Does it have to be unique to be successful? Absolutely not. And I think I could, I could probably pull more examples of non-unique non-unique products or companies um, than unique ones that I like or that have been successful. Yeah, I think, you know what it kind of reminds me of is things work in patterns, right? Especially, like, especially um, movies, music, books. You know how they say there's like only 12 scripts in Hollywood? I, I feel like I've got this, I've got this rule in life that's like, it's not, um, it's not, it's not just what, it's, it's how. And, you know, the how really matters. And I think that there's a there's like this thing that happened that maybe we all got a little Silicon Valley thinking that everything has to be unique. Everything has to um, be, quote unquote, innovative, which I think is a that's a that's a weird word. It depends on depends on who's wielding it. I find it means very, very different things. Um, but, yeah, I think that when. I told people that, hey, we're starting a personal care company, right? Kind of got the raised eyebrow. And you always got that one friend who's like, well, how are you going to compete with so-and-so? It's like, yeah, I don't really think about that. No, it's 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 so different. You know, like, I blame cable TV. Everyone is, you know, saddled up at 7 o'clock on a Tuesday night watching Shark Tank. And the most like you know i mean like truly cool and listen hey mr wonderful or mark cuban if if you happen to be listening like we would we would also come on but you know it's it doesn't have to be and it doesn't have to be unique and you know the like i have a couple of friends who started a coffee shop you know if they were worried about competing with starbucks what you know where would that be where would any of the middle market or lower market of the United States economy be if people were afraid to compete with the largest brand in their category or the set of largest brands in their category. It's just, it's, it's different fish. It doesn't matter. Like you'll go into any, any pharmacy, any grocery store, whatever, and you will see no shortage of body wash type products on the shelf. Right. But here I am like still unable to find something that really spoke to me. Something that, something that I like, something that I could buy you know, month in, month out, really rely on that I didn't think was cheap crap and that I didn't think was sort of exorbitantly robbing me of my money all the while, all the while mm. being filled with cheap crap ingredients. And so it, it really doesn't, it doesn't matter. So the, the word saturation, I think you'll hear a lot of, a lot of dudes in Patagonia vests say the word saturation a lot or market saturation. Yeah, the, the, the um, mid-market uniform or the midtown, um, uniform. The mid-town, mid-town uniform. uniform great great instagram anyway the, the the market saturation thing 
I think really snowed people into thinking you can't come out with a better version of what already exists. Like, imagine how bummed you would be if no one started another coffee roastery. I I can't get enough different coffee roasters. No. And and I think coffee is actually a good example of like this, like the death of this cartel of um, you see it in liquor, you see it in hospitality, you see it in basically every industry but there's like this cartel of like three or four extremely profitable conglomerates that control like such a large cross-section of the amount of brands or products out there and there's kind of i don't i don't know how tacit it is like i don't know how coordinated it is but you know it's very clear that they don't you know there's they they don't really outprice each other all that much they don't really out quality each other all that much it's just kind of like we are going to eat up 60 to 70 percent of market share and that actually works really well for all of us yeah Yeah. and i think you know a lot of that's the venture capital model right there's a lot of criticism where it's like so and so company raised eight bajillion dollars but they're not even profitable or it's like yeah that i don't even know that they often have to be i think what they're doing is you know I, i think the pattern is blitz scale acquire tons and tons and tons of market share even if it's unprofitable but at least then you've grown to a point where you're the only game in town yeah, yeah, it's a really weird, um, you know, like it's like it's the Amazon model, and everyone thinks that they're Jeff Bezos, and they're just like, yeah, we could just you know eat as much as much market share as humanly possible, and like eventually we can be profitable, and it's like you can be profitable from like I don't want to say day one, but like day five, and like yeah. it'd be a pretty pretty good you know product, and like you were talking about earlier, it's you know without being cheesy, it is the story, you know, because everything is so saturated, so. If someone, you know, if a brand works with a nonprofit that you like, or if a brand, you know, gives back in some very specific way, like that is worth two or three or whatever dollars to the product um, that that people look for. So I think, I think the way that people are kind of forging products is changing, and forging brands is changing. I think that's an important recognition for anyone out there who wants to try something not unique don't try something unique try something that someone else is doing just do it better and do it your way because you know there's only one you if you and you get together with one or two business partners and you really let your uniqueness fly like you let your you fly you're gonna come you're you're gonna come up with something that nobody else came up with you're gonna come up with your own spin right you're gonna you're gonna value things that maybe not everybody else valued you're gonna boost things in the product features that maybe other people didn't produce or or didn't boost or and you're gonna hopefully come up with a position like a place on the shelf that you can own and that only you can own because no one else is you yeah and you'll get attention that way like i know like a liquid death is a big darling of yours and um I was in the, I think I was in 7-Eleven the other day and there was like this older, you know, lady who walked past it and was like mortified at this can. Like she just like, yeah, it was like, it was like 1960s woman sees Elvis for the first time, you know, or like here's Elvis for the first time. And I was like, yes, that's exactly what Liquid Death wants. Like you older lady, no offense, are not their target market. Not yeah. <laughs> I think that's a huge part about brand building, especially when you don't have a ton of money. You need to piss someone off. You need to get under someone else's skin. That person isn't your customer, but that's okay. Well, not everybody's going to be your customer. And um, it, 
it's that that is part of owning a unique place kind of in the lexicon or in the category however small it is so like why don't we why don't we talk a little bit about the stuff that mattered to us and and about our our uniqueness or our story or what what we wanted to put forth in the crowded sea of personal care products yeah well i mean you know arm was a big anchor for both of us and so for those who don't know, I'm the co-founder of a nonprofit that focuses on um, health and hygiene assistance to the homeless. Specifically, we have like a trailer that provides free showers. And that's kind of how Rohan and I met through volunteering there and ARM becoming uh, kind of built into and sewn into the DNA of Commons was like, you know, it. I hate to I hate to use comparative terms, but it's you know it's like the Bombas or the Toms of personal care, and that was something that was very important to me. And I think I think it gives a very unique flash and vibe to personal care, which is like you know, traditionally good personal care is always like the you know hot. You know it's very it's not it's not what you would consider in the human services world. Like you know Irish Springs is okay to donate to your local shelter, but you know you know. Uh, uh, what's that brand that I keep forgetting the fancy one? Um, Aesop. Yeah, Aesop is is you know that's that's what I'll take home. You know, Irish Springs for those who are in need. Aesop for myself, and that's kind of a ridiculous cheap shit for people who um, are in a tough spot and and need some assistance. And I'll I'll go bathe in oil of Olay. It's interesting. I think that are we so now are we the only brand to donate product? No, no, we're not. But you know what? Bet you were the only brand where a principal in the company actually runs a nonprofit that gives people in need showers. I don't know of that otherwise. Yeah, it's and it's fun to build that specificity yeah. in yeah, your brand. It, it totally is. And I also think that, I mean, that goodwill goes along with so many other things. One of the things that I noticed about this category is, man, is it douchey. Yeah. <laughs> like, women are sex objects. And dudes are um, basically your your only your only role as a woman in the world is to be a sex object, and your only role as a man in the world is to pursue a sex object or be worthy of pursuing a sex object, right? Yep. Even at the cheaper end of things, right? So Axe is probably I mean it's a huge product, and look, I'm totally fine name dropping here. I'm pretty sure the Axe people are not listening. Axe is a I would say it's a lower cost product in general, right? I'm not gonna. It's, maybe yeah. it's not dirt cheap, but it's it's also not pricey. And their whole marketing was to young men about basically being a sex hound. Okay, great, got it. Right. But even at the higher end, with brands that you know, even brands I like and even brands that I respect, it's like all of the marketing is basically about don't you want to smell good for her? Right. Number one, not everybody's straight. But even if they were, I don't know, it's so gender oriented for something that is such a universal need. Yeah, everyone's got to wash Can you imagine if toothpaste was sexualized? I'm sure I'm sure someone out there has tried it. I've seen a pink um, like a like a pink ratchet set. Like, per, like personally, not like I saw it on like like, you know, on Facebook or something as sure. like a joke. Like I was like in Walmart and I saw like a pink tool set. Yeah. Because, you know, women use tools differently than men use tools. So they need they need to distinguish between yeah, pink and blue. I guess. Yeah. Um, so there was there's this weird toxic sexualization, which I just thought was like, look, 
I'm no saint, but I thought it was pretty fucking corny in, in, in this day and age. I, I gotta tell you, like, it was just sort of eye-rolling to me. And also, like, I think it's important to, to like, think about... There, there are people making like three quarters of a million dollars that are in charge of that messaging. Like, we're not talking about like, you know, some schmo down the street. You know, like these are like, like these people like went to like war in. Like it is like, like these are like the cream of the crop at the top this of the ladder. This is the byproduct of top five consulting in Madison Avenue. You know, like, I don't know how long, it, like every industry is, is coming to terms with their like kind of weird past, but I don't know how long it's going to take for like consumer products to, to fall in line with that. I don't know. It's kind of bizarre. And then, you know, the other thing that I noticed was when I started doing so much research was, so, okay, so let's, 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 we don't really market on ingredients, right? Because, I mean, I was taught, and I think it's a very, very fair thing. You, you don't market aggressively on features because features can be copied. You really tell the story, build the brand, and and fit yourself into the culture or fit the culture around you. Um, and it still doesn't negate the fact that features are part of the ladder. They're the bottom rung on the ladder, probably, and, and you got to ladder up from them. But like, if we talk about ingredients, you know me, I hate sulfates. Yep. They're basically like, they, if you go and look at the back of a bottle of detergent, you're going to find sulfates like those are that that it's the it's the chemical product is it's the category of chemical products that basically generate suds but the problem is is that most production stuff that you would get at your cvs your rite aid your Dwayne reed or what do they have on the west coast yeah cvs yeah they don't have walgreens i don't think la has walgreens Really? Someone from LA, please confirm this because that's it's really weird CBS. to me. I remember going to a CBS on Hollywood Bowl. Well, anyway, whatever. You go there, right? And most of those products are going to be using sulfates to create the suds. Now, what I noticed was that anytime I would use that stuff, it would just dry the hell out of my skin. It would make it feel like, like, a, like a brown paper bag, right? Yep. And so... While I could find products that didn't have sulfates, does it not having sulfates make us unique? No, absolutely not. You just go go Amazon, search for sulfate-free yeah. body wash, right? It also doesn't make it a good right. product. That in and of itself doesn't make it a good product. But you know what's really interesting? There are products out there that cost like $30, $40, $50 a bottle that have sulfates, which is, it's, oh, a, yeah. it's a cheap corner cut, but that's not stopping some companies from using them in quote-unquote premium products and selling them at a nauseating markup. Yeah. Would you say that it is um, uh, like contraindicated to have sulfates and like can you like are sulfates by themselves a um, disqualifying factor in what should be considered a premium? For me, yes. Now like we use um, they're not sulfates. Like, like you can get the same effect from like coconut based, uh, coconut based um, products. Right, because Con- Commons does lather. It just that, but that that all comes from coconut based uh, products. Right. Um. Yeah. The you know if you if you look at the ingredients, you'll see there's like three or four things that combine to make to make that lathering work. But you know you pick up your average bottle of something off the shelf at a pharmacy the the, the the first second or third ingredient is likely going to end 
in the last four letters, F-A-T-E. And so beyond that, you would find things like parabens. Okay, so are parabens, there's been some, there's been some evidence connecting them to, I think, uh, so there's been some connection to um, health conditions, right? Now, is it, is it fact? No, it's not fact. But here's the thing. Are they necessary? No, they're not. They're not. They're a preservative. Again, they're a shortcut. They're a, sh- they're a shortcut, right? And while I understand they haven't been like smoking gun proof connected to um, adverse health outcomes, I'm pretty sure they're mostly banned in the EU. Yeah, would you just like want to roll that dice? You know, like is that <laughs> well, worth like, it to why? you? Why? What yeah. do you need it for? You, you, and the answer is you don't. You don't need it. It's it's just a corner cut, right? Will will the preservatives in uh uh will the preservatives in a devil dog kill you? No, they will not. Are they good for you? No, they're probably not. Yeah, they're just like in bad company, right? Like a devil dog to begin with is bad company, and then <laughs> and then and then the whatever they have in them. So yeah, it's like it's it's a little bit of a canary in the coal mine. What I really want to do is create a brand that just makes it simple. Create a brand that I would want to use, that I could buy month over month, that I didn't have to question, whose cause I liked, whose vibe I liked, who I understood wouldn't jam any of that stuff in. So honestly, I, I felt like I didn't have to read the label, right? right. I, didn't, I didn't feel like right. I had to go grab a magnifying glass and, and do the research every single time. You know, so, I mean, you know Stage Left. For those of you who don't know Stage Left, I used to work there when I was in college, and it's a local restaurant, uh, quasi-fine dining. Now it's kind of more of a steakhouse. Um, and they have a burger, and they're very famous for their burger. Their burger is very well regarded. It is delicious. I'll be the first to say it is. And uh, our maitre d' at the time, one time she overheard someone say, someone was like, oh, this is like this is a delicious burger. Like, I wonder what's in it, blah, blah, blah. And someone's like, it's it's just a good burger you know like there's just no tricks right it's just good beef good cheese good bread good onions and like i feel like that really encompasses kind of the goal of commons is like it's just a good skin cleanser you know it's interesting you bring in like the food analogy i believe the french have um i've been slacking on my french lessons but the french have a saying about vegetables where essentially the net, I, I forgot what it is, but the net of the saying is, um, like, basically, like, you're not better than the vegetable, let the vegetable be itself. Like, you don't have to, you don't have to try super hard to doll it up. You don't have to make it be anything other than it is. Like, if you respect what it is, that's good enough. And it can do a better job of being itself than you can do for it. Wow, it's a French as hell I forgot. It's, it's a very, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, I, I forgot. It's, it's said much more eloquently and tightly and concisely than I just explained it. But yeah, the, the, the vibe is the same. And so, uh, you know, those are all the things that, those are all the things that um, were, were tantamount to like the reason to create a brand, the story behind the brand mm-hmm. and, and why this brand is not replicable and which means it's, it's going to resonate with a, a certain amount of people. Yep. Yeah. And yeah, we want to talk about people who care about quality of life, the French. <laughs> I have nothing but respect for the French when it comes to that. Like, if, yes. they're, if they're like Metro ticket goes up 10%, they'll burn the city to the ground. They're like, they do not fuck around when it comes to Yeah, they to got a little bit of, of a history with that type of thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we have a bunch of favorite brands that just do something simple, but do it so fucking well 
that you can't turn away. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have a lot of respect for like Shake Shack, right? Same, same kind of philosophy. Just, uh, I mean, I like, I like Danny Meyer. He was the first one to introduce, yeah. uh, uh, the, the zero tip restaurant, uh, at the modern and, um, just like there's no, there's no tricks. It's just good. Another, you want to talk about a crowded field. You want, you want to go, he went up against McDonald's. He went up against Burger King. He went up against Wendy's. He went up against like America, essentially like, like American business, like fast food burgers is the, one of the most American things in, in commerce. What do they do? What does Shake Shack do? They do burgers. They do, they do fries. They do shakes. And there's some other stuff on the menu. Yeah. But it's not. Yeah, but like they yeah, haven't reinvented uh, American. No. Uh, they they haven't reinvented like American drive-in food. Yeah, no, they haven't. No, quite, I mean, quite the contrary, actually. Like, for, like they're almost like original, like in in the way that they're approaching it, right? Like it's yeah. just like like oh, how do you make fries? Well, you hand cut russet potatoes and you fry them in canola oil. You know, how do you make meat? You take eighty twenty ground beef and you mold it into quarter pound patties, like. There's just like a back to basics kind of, you know, uh, like inspiration for Shake Shack. And it like totally like so resonated with people. It's insane. My favorite does something that's been done forever, but just does it well brand. So my favorite non-unique brand. I'm wearing one of their T-shirts right now. It's Buck Mason, just clothing company. I think they were on Shark Tank. I don't know if it worked out for them or not, but if it didn't, it didn't really matter. Um, They make phenomenal American style like tried and true basics like t-shirts jeans it's not like f- it's not fashiony you know what i mean it's yeah yeah is it your shirt uh, or your pants the t-shirt i'm wearing right now i do have a pair of buck mason jeans okay and it's not cheap right yeah. um but it lasts right I've, I've been wearing the same buck mason t-shirts for three years t-shirts yeah right had that pair of jeans for over two years like it's my t-shirts have like a nine month lifespan yeah max so you know Buck Mason, their whole thing. Like, I wish I kept one of the tags. I just, they have a sample sale going on right now. Not sample sale. Like, they're sort of like B sale. So, highly mm-hmm. recommended. But anyway, I wish I kept one of the tags. The t- the tag, the copy on the tag basically talks about how they make, like, traditional, classic American staples, but they make them to last. And, okay. like, the fit, the finish, the work that goes into, like, making a really good t-shirt, they've invested that work. That's why they're a little pricier. But I'm not, guys, I'm not paid by Buck Mason. Like, seriously, these t-shirts are three years old. Yeah. I mean, look, I, look, I mean, this is a podcast. So you can't see it, but that t-shirt looks pretty new to me. So, like, the collar's not drooping. You know, like, all the stuff that you'd expect in a three-year-old yeah. t-shirt. And so, is it worth the cost? Yes, it absolutely is. Is it a fucking t-shirt? Yeah. Can, can I go get a t-shirt that looks exactly like this other places? Yes, I can. Probably for cheaper. Yes. Yeah. Short-term cheap, cheaper, right? Like, not long-term cheaper. Because I drop, like, $50 on, like, the Hanes 5-pack, like, every six That's months. That's how much a Hanes 5-pack's so. going for? No, it's, like, oh. it's probably, like, 28 yeah. No, right, exactly. But um, th- I believe in their story. I believe in what they're doing. I think what they're doing is really cool. Like, they're making... Th- they would tell you that they're a clothing company, not a fashion company. You know what I mean? Right, right. I, I just... I have a lot of respect for the way they do it. Again, it's... Yeah. it's it's the how. It's the what the what right. is like if people are like, well, what do they make? Oh, they make t-shirts and jeans and jackets. Oh, it's a big fucking deal. No, no, it's the how. Yeah. Yeah. And brands have such a greater responsibility now than they did in the past. Like like fa- like fashion is the first one that people bring up as like having a great need for for better CSR, but like there is no industry that doesn't have a terrible impact on the world 
It, it's just unavoidable. Hospitality? Are you kidding me? Like land use, water use, it's terrible, right? Uh, personal care, chemicals, right? Like where are we like where are you deriving this from? And that's why we have that. You know, I mean, we talked a little bit about the arm thing, but you know, why don't you tell me a little bit more about the the zero yeah. waste? Right, right, right. So we're using after a lot of research, right? We're using pouches instead of bottles. Okay, they're made out of plastic. Yes, understood. But we we chose to think like you got to think one level past that. I think like it's it's not so black and white. It's not that easy. So nine out of ten single use plastic bottles, even though you put it in the recycling bin, will actually not be recycled. Right. They will end up in a landfill. Right. Right. That number is for the recycled yeah, that's plastic the, right. bottles. Yeah. Nine out of ten recycled right. plastic yeah, bottles. The, the one that you didn't see the recycling bin for, and you had to put it in the trash, and we've all done it. We've all been there. That's already That's in the landfill. Like that, yeah. But even the ones that you put into the recycling bin, nine out of ten will actually not be recycled. Why? Well, there, there's a wild surplus of plastic. We actually don't need to recycle that much plastic, and that's why if you think right. about you think about it this way, like there will actually be like an emblem on something if it's made of recycled materials, which is great. I'm all for recycling. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. But. Mm-hmm. When you have a hard plastic bottle, number one, most of them, again, most of them don't get recycled. Okay, so that's number one. Number two, um, they have sort of a secondary impact, which is they're heavier than pouches. They take up more space in a crate, right? So when you're shipping them, they burn more fuel. It takes more fuel. Like to ship 1,000 units takes more effort and takes more resources to ship 1,000 units of pouches, which when you, you, you've seen it, like when you empty a pouch out, right? It's as almost as thin as a piece of paper. You, y'all, you would not believe how small of a box our 1,000 pouches came in. Like I can't, I like, like Rowan was like, oh, come, come through. They're here. And I came and I was like, oh, is this like the first one of five or like, like he's like, no, those, there are a thousand pouches in that box. Like I'm talking about a box smaller than like a dorm fridge, a thousand hard plastic pouches. Would yeah. Take yeah. Up a, thousand, a thousand plastic bottles would be literally crates. Yeah. Right. And so not only, and not only that, um, there's that, that this company TerraCycle people, a lot of people are probably familiar with it. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Um, so what we're, what we're going to do is basically recycle our pouches through a recycling program with TerraCycle. And essentially what they do is bring those pouches down to basically like pellet. They process, like they process them, bring them down to like pellet form. And then those pellets are used to make other products. Is it perfect? Like, fuck no, it's not perfect. But honestly, if anybody is touting on a plastic bottle that it's recycled, Okay, that's good. That's good. I'm not trying to slag it. I'm not trying to bag on it. The facts are that there's a 90% chance that it won't be recycled. It'll end up in a landfill. You just have to be pragmatic about it. There's just there's just a reality to it. It's like you ever watch um The Good Place? No. Oh, it's awesome. Well, I can't I can't give it away. Um, but for whoever's seen The Good Place, there's like a very like so it's about like heaven and hell and like it's about like good or bad and how how you determine who is good and who is bad and there's like a there eventually becomes like a very pragmatic approach to how you determine who is good and who is bad and I think that's very similar to what we're doing here which is like yeah like 
could we could we have like a 100% all recyclable organic blah 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 you know and it'd be $90 and not a single person would ever buy it and then like what good would be done in the environment right like yep. removing removing parabens removing sulfates from the drain system which by the way like I don't even want to get into municipal water right. but like the drain like putting that stuff in the drain in the drains and like where they find themselves and like how you're killing wildlife just by that shit like whole nother problem getting rid of the hard plastic bottles having a recyclable component like a like a buyback program essentially it is i mean especially for a small company we're trying really fucking hard we're trying pretty fucking hard man you know like i don't like i didn't i didn't like cook douglas campus will be proud of us you know (laughs) it's a Rutgers university reference (laughs) ah